Hello, and welcome to another edition of Stick Together, delivering union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to the show on 3CR on 8.55am in Melbourne, on your local community radio station, or online at www.3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. I'm Grace Blake. Today on the show, we'll be talking about the second War Against Workers rally, and we speak with Tony Sheldon from the Transport Workers Union about the current Senate inquiry into trucking. But first, some union news. The lockout at Myrtleford with Carter Holt Harvey is continuing. I spoke with Andrew Vendramini from the CFMEU. Andrew, what's been happening this week? Uh, Well, last week we removed the industrial action that we had in place at Carter Holt Harvey so the company then could withdraw the lockout and get the workers back to work. But unfortunately, even after we um, withdrew our notice of industrial action, the company still haven't opened the gates. Um, we've pleaded with the company. We've, we've written to them on two occasions requesting that the gates open. We arri- Our members arrived at work Monday morning um, expecting to, get, to go in and go to work, but the gates were still locked. So that's where it's at at the moment. So how is this affecting CFMEU members? Well, it's affecting them quite uh, deeply. I mean, our, our members want to go back to work. They're under a lot of stress, um, money-wise and financially, uh, and so is the town. You know, we just want to do uh, the right thing by the people of the town uh, and, and get the gates open so we can return to work and the town can get back to some sort of normality. I mean, it's been 10 weeks. Um, there's a lot of people affected by the, the lockout of the company. Um, and we just want those gates to be open so our members can go back to work. So, Andrew, what happens next? There's a, there's a vote on uh, this week, Friday and Saturday, so we've sort of got to wait until we have that vote. The company is sort of holding the gun to the employees' heads by saying, you know, if you vote the agreement up, we'll open the gates and you can return to work, but if you vote the agreement down, uh, the lockout will continue indefinitely. On July 1, the same day as 700,000 low-paid workers will have their penalty rates cut, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull will oversee pay rises for politicians of up to $17,000. At the same time, public sector workers were fighting for a pay rise from this government for more than three years. Since 2012, federal politicians have enjoyed an average yearly pay increase of 6.8%, dwarfing the national average of 2.6% over the same period. On July 1 this year, they will get a 2% wage rise and a 2% tax cut, giving them wage rises ranging from $4,000 to almost $20,000. Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull's pay increase this year is $16,788, equivalent to almost half the annual income of a worker on the minimum wage, taking his salary to $533,738. Employment Minister Michaelia Cash will receive a $9,821 raise, taking her annual salary to $352,821. And Treasurer Scott Morrison 
will receive a $12,409 wage rise, which brings his salary to $420,409. ACTU President Jed Kearney has stated that nobody begrudges anyone getting a pay rise, but when the PM awards himself and his colleagues a massive pay rise while overseeing a pay cut for the lowest paid people in this country, Australians have a right to be angry. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. On Tuesday, the 20th of April, the CFMEU held a second War Against Workers rally around the country to protest recent workplace changes. Stick Together was at the Melbourne rally, which began at the Victorian Trades Hall. Getting the crowd fired up was MC and Trades Hall Secretary Luke Hilakari. Welcome to the rally. All right, I'm going to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of land, the Wadjeri, pay my deep respects to their elders, both past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Now, we're here in Melbourne. There are rallies happening across every state and territory, in every major city in Australia, and Melbourne has the largest crowd of 20,000 workers. Now we are hitting the streets today because we have had enough of the attack on workers' rights and the attack from Melbourne Turnbull on all of us construction workers. So far we've seen the introduction of the ABCC. Last time we saw the ABCC, 330 workers, your fellow workmates, were killed on the job. What do you think of that? In the next fortnight, Malcolm Turnbull is going to introduce cuts to our penalty rates. 700,000 Australians are going to get a pay cut between two dollars and $4,000. What do you think of that? Well, we're pretty about it too. And that's why we're hitting the streets. John Setka, Secretary of the CFMEU, was a key speaker at the rally. His rousing speech kept up the CFMEU's recent campaign against Element 5 and reiterated the words of ACTU Secretary Sally McManus, saying that there's nothing wrong with breaking bad laws if workplace safety is in jeopardy. His speech, which focused on workplace safety at construction sites, has been overshadowed by controversial comments he made about naming and shaming ABCC officials. Here's what he had to say. And then we've got these ABCC inspectors. Let me give a dire warning to them ABC inspectors. Be careful what you do. You're out there to destroy our lives. Construction workers, our job is dangerous as it is. You see what it's like on the site. One wrong move, it's a serious injury, and you don't come home that night. And on top of all that, we're going to worry about these trying to take us to court and jail us. Well, the last time around, you know, ABCC inspectors aren't even on the electoral roll. They've got to leave these secret little lies because they're ashamed of what they do. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to expose them all. We will lobby their neighbourhoods. We will tell them who lives in that house and what he does for a living or she. And we'll, we'll go to their local footy club. We'll go to their local shopping centre. 
they will not be able to show their faces anywhere. Their kids will be ashamed of who their parents are when we expose all these ABC inspectors. In Victoria, there's a whole heap of work coming up. John Hollands, that corrupt company, are doing a lot of it. Just around the corner here, Metro Rail, the tunnel, PCB, BSL. Well, guess what? They're just around the corner. They haven't even had a meeting with us. That's a state government job. Anti-union company like John Hollands are doing a job around the corner, have not even met with any of the construction unions. They have got uh, companies there with non-union EBAs paying $18 an hour, illegal immigrants, all sorts of stuff going on. This is on a state government job. So I say to elements of the state government, shame, shame, shame. You came into government here declaring that you weren't like the federal government you're elected by the workers to represent workers' rights. And you've got all these jobs going on, and we've got all these non-union, uh, anti-union uh, mobs that are employing four, five, seven visas and, and illegal immigrants. That's the sort of stuff they're doing on, as we stand here now. That's what's going on around there. On Friday, I was at VSL's yard in Pakenham. Didn't even need a passport to get there anyway. We got escorted off that by the Victorian police for being in the yard representing our members. That's a Victorian government job. And that's the sort of stuff that we've got to put up with. But let me tell you, people might have to wait for SkyRail a bit longer than what they think, because they need the cooperation of the construction unions to finish all this stuff on time. And if you reckon that they're going to follow some of this anti-union legislation, sit back there and say, we don't know what we're doing. Well, let me tell you, they're in for a big surprise. Let me tell you. So I'm just going to finish on this because I could talk all day. I appreciate you all coming out here. I know a lot of people got threatened. People in yards, people at construction sites, bosses sent them letters. They threatened them with everything under the sun. We're going to sue you. We're going to go after you and all the rest of it. Well, you know what? You just defy them all. Like we will defy them. The construction unions and the, and the Victorian trade union movement will never, ever be beaten down. We might lose a bit of bark. We might pay a few fines. But let me tell you, our job is to preserve life. Make sure you earn a decent living and you come home safe to your families. Because in the end, if you don't come home to your families, what's the point of it all? There is no point when you lose a loved one. My dad come down off the Westgate Bridge in 1970. 18 survived that day. My dad was one of them. So I was so lucky to still have my dad is still alive now. I've seen the consequences that happens over the other people that died. We've seen it happen on building sites day in, day out. And I know the ramifications on families. So in the end, doesn't matter what we do, if you don't come home safe to your family, none of it's worth it. That's what we're going to fight for. And if it means we're going to pay $50 million in fines to save one life, we will do it. Thank you very much. Other speakers included Earl Setchers from the Plumbers Union, Ben Davis from the Australian Workers Union, Luba Grigorovich from the Rail, Tram and Bus Union and Craig Kelly from the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union followed by a series of chants. They say proper! They say safety! They say proper! We 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 say safety!
and Workplace Delegate Stacey speaking about issues within the public service sector. Also speaking was the ETU's Troy Gray, who had this to say about the six-month picket at Carlton and United Breweries, which occurred a year ago this month. Now, if you listen to CUB, a lot of dispute, they said it was just a, an independent tender. They brought in a labour hire company, they colluded with that labour hire company, they demanded that that labour hire company initiate an agreement that was 65% less. And what did we have? For 185 days, they starved that workforce out under Turnbull's green light, under the government's laws, until they were to give in. But unfortunately, we had the union movement, and after 185 days, we won it. But I put it to you. If we had a blockaded CUB for 185 days, they would have had the right to sue us out of existence. What repercussions has there been for CUB under this? Absolutely none at all. Finally, a feature of the rally was U2 cover band Aktung Baby, which led the march down Swanson Street. Here they are with one. Hello, Melbourne. Thank you. 
You're listening to Stick Together. I'm Grace Blake, and that was my report on the Work Against Workers rally in Melbourne, featuring U2 cover band Aktung Baby and their live version of One. And in a postscript to this story, John Setka has apologised for his inflammatory comments about ABCC inspectors. This week, the TWU condemned the federal government in a Senate inquiry for ignoring the increase in deaths among transport workers and other road users in truck crashes. Tony Sheldon, National Secretary of the TWU, spoke with me. Tony, there's been a lot in the news lately about truck drivers being killed on the road and now there's a Senate inquiry. What's the current situation? Well, we've got a horrendous cocktail uh, in this industry. It's, uh, it's statistics, uh, 40% of all workplace deaths uh, in the country uh, involve uh, truck drivers. Um, we've got a 7.2% increase in deaths of uh, truck drivers in articulated trucks and a 4.1% death uh, rate increase on rigid vehicles. And that means that you know 32 people have lost their lives out of uh, in workplace deaths uh, in this country. And of course, when you're talking about truck deaths, you're talking about members of the community. Um, not only as drivers and fathers and sons, but also um, also uh, the general public that uh, are sharing those roads. And uh, this cocktail is driven, deadly cocktail is driven largely by economic factors. Uh, there are companies wanting um, transport products, uh, transport companies to operate uh, cheaply, uh, meanly, um, and inefficiently. Um, inefficiently in the sense of sweating the, the capital invested in that truck and thus sweating the driver to keep low costs down. And uh, there's lots of people making lots of money out of transport, and they certainly aren't the drivers, and they certainly aren't uh, the trucking companies. Tony, Australia is a country which relies on road transport. How have we come into this situation, and why hasn't the government done anything about it previously? Owner drivers and employees uh, have been rallying for well over 20 years to have clients at the top of the economic supply chain, really effectively the economic employers, the people that make the decisions, regardless of who pays the paycheck, that make the decisions on how the industry operates. And that's like the big fan of manufacturers and retailers. And in series of uh, academic reports, uh, coroner's reports, uh, government inquiries, again and again and again, uh, there's been spelt out that these economic employers at the top of these employment supply chains have to be held to account for people being ripped off and unsafe practices occurring because their economics often drives those practices and, and those reports have found that consistently. Uh, unfortunately, um, just on the cusp of, of having some uh, important decisions made in uh, six different key sectors of the transport industry, uh, including uh, waste and uh, uh, cash and transit, armoured vehicle, moving of valuables, um, the use of general transport long distance. Uh, the government on uh, the eve of those very important decisions from a court independently hearing all the arguments from all the parties decided to abolish what was then called the Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal. Um, and of course the government relied on one of its own reports. The report said two things. One is that there's uh, the report, you know, you, you pay the piper and they, they play your tune. And the piper came out to say that... Uh, that there was an economic cost on having people getting fairness and decency um, and uh, being able to uh, go home to their loved ones each day. It's, it wasn't as economically 
um, cheap uh, to turn around and give people rights and standards. But he also identified a very critical point when the government abolished this report, abolished the tribunal. The report also said that if the government allowed the independent tribunal to go ahead with the decisions it was had made, let alone the ones it was planning on um, uh, and considering, that there would be a 28% reduction in deaths in the road transport industry. That that means physically we would see another uh, two dozen truck drivers by the end of this year alive and literally many dozens of others in the general public co-road users living and would see many thousands of people not being injured. But the government decided to turn around and abolish the one tribunal that dealt with this economic factor. You know, it's extremely galling and, um, to see that an Australian government sacrifices Australian lives for all for the, um, the point of some uh, economic theory of uh, low cost is always best, regardless of the consequences to the community. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that would be living quite literally. The government, I, I, I can't say this more plainly, the government has literally blood on its hands. Uh, it has literally sanctioned the murder through economic, for economic reasons of truck drivers and other road users, and their own reports spelt that out to them, but they still went ahead with the decision. So what needs to happen to improve conditions for truck drivers? Well, there's, there's, a, you know, there's a, a combination of things, but the most simplest thing is, and that is that truck drivers, owner drivers and employees and trucking companies need to have a right to operate in a safe and fair practice and a fair return for their labours. And that means that where uh, clients are pressuring trucking companies, um, that they, those clients be held to account. And when underpayments, poor payments, that means that uh, truck drivers are working extraordinary illegal hours uh, and not being able to maintain their vehicles because of low-cost contracts, that the client who makes the money out of that transport task is held to account. You know, this, this is an economic decision that companies make. And you know, I'll give you a couple of very clear examples about what, where it could make a difference. Only last year in Sydney, um, on the northern beaches, um, there was a company that um, its uh, fuel tanker exploded into flames and incinerated two people. Thankfully, the driver got away. Unfortunately, two others didn't. Those grand, uh, grandparents and, and uh, fathers of uh, Australian families are no longer with us. Only a matter of seconds earlier, at those stoplights, there could have been hundreds of people incinerated. What came out of the coroner's report and subsequent um, uh, legal action was that the transport company had been so sweated on its capital investment that it refused to put more money in uh, once its maintenance ran out each month and the trucks were deficient. It also became very clear, and that is the two companies that ran um, that contract that employed that transport company engaged a company which had fleets that were 20 years older than its nearest rival they had a lost time injury injury rate of seven times the average of other companies in the same sector and had a history of not maintaining um, its, uh, its equipment. And yet they won a contract with one of the most powerful oil companies, in this case Shell, um, in the country, um, all because of low cost. Now, what the answer is here really is, is to reinstate an independent tribunal to be able to hear from all the parties 
you had to weigh up decisions about putting infrastructure in place to give people a voice and rights. Now, that collective voice of truck drivers, employees and owner drivers, had a fair return for, um, for, for companies through that system and holding the big clients accountable, like the fuel companies, like big retailers and manufacturers, means that everyone shares the burden whilst there isn't an economic profit driven by people being killed by these big uh, manufacturers and retailers at the top of the supply chain. Thanks for speaking to us, Tony. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Grace. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Tony Sheldon from the TWU speaking with me about the current Senate inquiry into trucking. That's all for this week's show. Thanks to Andrew Vendramini and Tony Sheldon for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced in Melbourne at 3CR Radio. The show is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and you can listen to us on your local community radio station. If you're listening online, you can find the podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. You can also contact the producers of the show by emailing sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 and leaving us a message. And remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Grace Blake. Until next time, bye for now.